But then there are two principles that Allah Azza wa Jal revealed. Two things that will define my relationship with this book. The first of those principles is لا ريب There's absolutely no room for any doubt that bothers you on the inside, whatsoever in it. In this book, there's no room for any skepticism, any uncertainty. I'm not so sure. Is it really from Allah? There's no room for that whatsoever. Not in this book. And so the question then arises, how not? We'll get to that in a second. The first of them is, there should be no room for doubt. And the only way you will have no doubt left, how can, how can you talk to just somebody and say, this is the book of God? They'll say, well, I have a Bible, that's the book of God too. Somebody else will bring a Veda from the Hindu scripture and say, this is a book of God too. Actually, this is a book of lots of gods. You know? So, how are you saying a book, book of Mormon is a book of God? Your book, the Quran, is a book of God. How am I supposed to know that this one's right and those are wrong? See, some of you are in college, your friend comes to you, you know, there's so many religions, somebody's got to be wrong. How do you know you guys are right? We're like, well, you know, look at the draw. Sometimes you have kids that come, and come to their parents and say, you know, don't you ever wonder, mom, when judgment day comes, which one's going to be right? <laughs> and moms freak out like, uh... <laughs> like, what, what, what do I recite on this child? What ruqiyah do I do? You know? <laughs> How are we supposed to know? How are we supposed to know without any room with, of any doubt that this is the book of Allah? How did the followers of Musa salam know without a doubt that he's a messenger? They questioned him so much, didn't they? But when he struck the staff and the water parted, if you were in that audience, there is no room left. He's a messenger of God. You know what? I'm just going to go through this river with a tawdul azim on either side, two massive mountains of water standing and retaining the shape without a container, and I'm going through in the middle. Uh, he's definitely a messenger. That, that's, I'm done questioning. I'm good. I'm straight. I'm, I'm set. In other words, when does doubt get removed? When you see a miracle. Doubt is removed when you see a miracle. The people who followed Isa alayhi who questioned Isa salam, when they see a clay bird turn into a real living bird by Allah's permission, the doubt is gone. When, when a staff turns into a snake, the doubt is gone. But the question is, this book, it's not parting any rivers. This book is not turning any sticks into a snake. It's just printed, glossy paper. Where's the miracle? Allah Azza wa gave us this book and it's miraculous not for the eyes. It's miraculous for the ears. This is the last of all miracles. Those miracles that were given to previous prophets to remove doubt. What's the purpose of miracles? To remove doubt. That's their purpose. Don't forget that. It's not special effects. It's not so you look at it and say, whoa, that was awesome. That's not the purpose. The purpose is there should be no doubt left. That's the reason those miracles were given. But within one generation, the miracle dies. The miracle? Done. Why? Because for the next generation, that miracle is just a story. They didn't see it. For you to experience a miracle, you have to see it with your own eyes. Even that next generation of the Banu Israel, or the next generation of the followers of Isa salam, or Salih salam, or Ibrahim salam, Allah says there are some people with him. When he walked out of a fire without burning, there were some people with him. Those people, when they tell the story to their children, it is just a... Story, if they didn't see it, like, ah, come on, dad. 
Really? Okay, fine. Fine. After all, this is Sunday school. I'll follow along. But really, I have my doubts. I have my questions. But this final Quran, this last revelation that Allah gave us, Allah gave us a miracle inside it that is not for the eyes. It's for the ears. And it's not for every ear. There's a big difference now. Those miracles, even if you weren't follower of Musa, if you were just fishing in the river, and the water parted, and you looked at that man, you said, that man, he's got some connection with God, I don't know what's going on over here. You would see that as a miracle, yes or no? You would, immediately. But the Qur'an, anybody who reads it, are they going to see it as miraculous? No. You have people who read it. يَزِيدُهُمْ nufura. It increases them in even more hatred. They used to hate Islam before. After reading the Qur'an, they really hate Islam. They really hate Islam. There are people who are skeptical before. After reading a translation, they become even more skeptical, isn't it? So the question is, where's the miracle? The miracle Allah decided for the last messenger, and this last message is no longer free. It's not just anybody just glances at it and they see a miracle. Nope. The only way you will find the miracle of this book is if you come looking for it. And you reflect inside this book. And you dig and ponder into this book. Then it will become clear this can only be from God. If you give it a shallow look, it will give you nothing. If you decide to dive in deep, I had a friend in college who was born in a Muslim family, but they're not very religious family. They sent him to college. He decided to do a bachelor's in philosophy. What happens in a, after a bachelor's in philosophy? Your iman has a janazah. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. So he's completely gone off the deep end. He's, he's an agnost. He's a skeptic. He doesn't believe in anything. He's not even sure if he exists. You know, he's one of those guys. He's out there floating in space. And then he was challenged to ponder on the Qur'an. Just ponder over the Qur'an. And so he did. He brought all of his philosophical questions, all of his, from every ism you can think of, he brought to the Qur'an. And he just studied it for a couple of years. He just studied the Qur'an, asking it questions, hoping he can find something he can, that can finally, philosophy can crush this book. But he kept getting defeated by this book. And you know, people that study philosophy love to debate. So when they lose a debate, they get really ticked off. Their ego is hurt. So they want to come back and crush it this, the next time. So he keeps coming back with more criticisms, but he's not arguing with a person. Who's he arguing with? This book. He just debated with this book. He used to like literally slam it shut sometimes because it shut him up. He was looking for it. it. I bet you it doesn't have an answer for this. And he reads it. Oh, it's there again. I got to find something else. And he would go back and forth angry with this book. And two years later, he, he told me himself, it, I wrestled this book and it pinned me down. And I came to this deed. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I, it pinned me down. This is Lara Ibafi. But it doesn't give itself for free. He could have been a philosophy student, read a translation of the Quran and say, ah, nothing here. And move on. But if you decide to ponder, why am I saying ponder? That's not something I came up with. That's something Allah's own claim. Don't they then reflect on the Quran? Because had it been from someone, anyone other than Allah, they would have found a lot of contradictions in it. By the way, if you study the Qur'an in a shallow way, you will find contradictions. Allah says if they reflect, they will not find contradictions. Which means if they don't reflect, what will happen? They will find contradictions. They will make websites, blogs, videos dedicated to the contradictions. They will make lists of contradictions in the Qur'an because they don't do tadabbur. 
And if they were to do tadabbur, then they will become convinced that this can only be the word of Allah. The first part of my relationship with the Qur'an is there's no doubt in it. It's a miracle.